0: Welcome to another episode of Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Ollie, And I'm Liam.
1: And uh, for those of you that don't know, or if we've got any new listeners, uh, each episode and each week, we take a topic that we know very little about, and we give ourselves the week to read and research all about it. The idea being that we do all the hard work, and then we share with you what we feel are the most important
0: pieces of information. And just if anybody is wondering, I can confirm we are not experts in anything that we talk about. This is just a summary of our findings. Hopefully, by sharing some knowledge with you, we can all learn a little bit about a whole lot of things. Exactly, right. Let's get on with this week's topic, which is
1: an interesting one, and we should have timed this just right. But this week, we are learning all about the Pilton Pop, Folk and Blues Festival. (laughs) Or Glastonbury. Okay. So the Pilton Pop Folk and Blues Country Festival something is what we're learning this week Ollie, which is the original name for Glastonbury. Um what did you know about Glastonbury before we started this?
0: Have you been? I didn't know that that was the original name. It's quite a catchy name, it though, is. isn't it? It might it <laughs> might catch on. <laughs> um I've not been, not been, but getting into the research this week, I think it's something that you and I need to go and experience at some point. I think this is one of those topics where I actually knew a little bit about it. So I knew it was an enormous festival. I'm pretty sure it seems to rain there quite often. There's loads of mud, loads of amazing bands, and it takes place in somewhere called Glastonbury on Worthy Farm. And there's a name called Michael Evis who's who's pretty involved in it. So I, I think I knew a little bit but I've still learned a whole load of things this week. How about yourself?
1: Um, yeah, no, completely agree. Yeah, you, We live not very far from Glastonbury. Okay, Glastonbury's yep. in a place called Somerset, and um, we are not too far from that. So it's something that we've certainly uh, learned about in, in the past. But no, I've not been. But you're right, huge festival, a bit muddy, loads of artists. Didn't Kanye West do something a bit crazy there relatively recently? it t- turns out though learning about it it does make me want to go now we-, we did veganism and you've gone vegan and we did dubai and i'm moving to dubai <laughs> so might we end up in Glastonbury? definitely i think we should
0: put it down for next year let's try and make it there
1: you actually i don't know if anyone saw our instagram feed this week you actually went back to the coliseum again yes So yeah, i did you know took that off the list as well so you know whatever we learn about we then do
0: yeah, definitely. I uh, yeah, it was good to go go and see the Coliseum and learn a little bit more about it and think about the Seven Wonders of the World episode that we did. But yeah, so should we get into it then? So so let's let's just say properly what it is. So what is what is Glastonbury? It's an
1: enormous music and performing arts festival over 5 days held annually in the last weekend of June.
0: Yep, yeah, that's right yeah the last weekend of june it's making a return this year so it's finally coming back after having two years off due to covid but yeah it's actually going ahead and when this comes out there might even be people who are listening to this whilst travelling on down to to glastonbury so if you are have a brilliant time it's just it's on a farm um worthy farm isn't it in
1: in a tiny little place called pilton which is about nine kilometers about five miles away from the village of glastonbury which is where it takes its name from for those not in in england or or up north or something it's about 126 miles from london takes about three hours in the car because you sort of you end up on the motorways but then you start going through the country a little bit don't you
0: yeah, yeah. going west so it's in the west country in in the uk so yeah yeah
1: um, I didn't you can understand. get a train there, but it's a bit. It's a bit indirect. It takes It actually takes longer than the car. if You go on the train, about four hours. Um, yeah. So that's where it is and what it is. But yeah, it's. I got really. I didn't realize the, the performing arts part of the festival, and I, we'll talk about it a bit later. But yeah, I thought yeah, it was. It was all. I thought it was all music, but that's not the case.
0: No, it's a big deal, isn't it? A big deal. Yeah, and there's there's some pretty pretty cool things that you can do and see while you're there. So we we sort of know where it is now and, and confirmed what it is. And I quite liked how it all started. And it was started by that chap who we mentioned called Michael Evis. And Michael Evis, he's still alive today. He's 86 years old. He's the creator of the festival. And he got inspired to run this festival by seeing a concert of Led Zeppelin. And that was at something called the Bath Festival of Blues and Progressive Music. And he saw them in 1970. And then it was a year later when he then managed to kick off his very own version of events, wasn't it?
1: Um, yeah, close enough. I think he saw them. He, he saw the festival in Bath in, I think it might have been 69, because the festival, as, as Glastonbury as we know it, started in
0: 1970. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got my my dates muddled up then. But yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, he, he um. so he'd inherited from his dad, he'd inherited a farm, hadn't he? It's actually a working farm. Yes. Farm. Um, he, he inherited a bunch of cows, loads of acres, but also, and more importantly, like some debt that he sort of, I, I don't know how that works nowadays, but, you know, your dad dies and you take on their debt. That's pretty horrific.
0: Yeah, but well, um, yeah, like you say, it was, it was a working farm, so it was a, a business, effectively, and just that business wasn't doing too well. So one of the ideas or inspirations around it was he was thinking – if he could run a festival, then in the hope of paying off his mortgage and paying off his debt, but it didn't really go to plan, did it? He ended up with more debt after to running the festival.
1: Yeah, he had one thousand five hundred people in the first festival, uh, and it was one pound a ticket. It included free camping and
0: milk from the farm. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, isn't it? You need your sustenance when you're when you're watching the the music and the bands. So yeah, give you some milk along the way just to keep your strength up.
1: Yeah, the first first main band were T-Rex and the Kinks. Oh no, that they, they replaced the Kinks. The Kinks couldn't play. So then the T the band T-Rex, I, I don't really know. 1971. Oh, we didn't actually say what what it was originally called. Let me just repeat that then. So he, he did this all started in 1970. It was not called Glastonbury. It was called the Pilton Pop, Folk and Blues Festival originally.
0: Yes. Yeah, it was. Super catchy. I wonder why they changed it to to Glastonbury and then even more nowadays it just gets known as Glasto doesn't it you say you're going off to Glastonbury. Yeah
1: yeah. Yeah, um, and it it didn't really they ran it in 71 it became named the the Glastonbury Fair Um, they they erected that the, the main stage it's called the pyramid stage isn't it you might have seen that that's quite a famous image the stages exactly that they were trying to Replica the Grand Pyramid of Egypt, weren't they? And it was made of like scaffolding and wood and sheeting and stuff. And they've had a few versions of that since, but um, that was like 1971. And then it didn't really, really get going until 1979,
0: did it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it, it sort of kicked off then. Ended up having to buy more land for it just to accommodate that it was growing and getting bigger and bigger. I mean, yeah, ticket sales, ticket prices, it, it wasn't that much, was it? Where, how much? How much was it around then? Do you have that written down? Was it around a fiver or something?
1: Yeah, so 79, it was a fiver. And there were 12,000 people there at this point with Peter Gabriel top of the bill. Then they got some decent PR though. In the 80s, they started raising money for the campaign for nuclear disarmament with like the Cold War. And that increased its popularity, I I think, for for sure. Um, And it got to a point where sort of towards the middle and the late 80s, they were having a few issues with licensing at this point because it was getting so popular that getting a license for it was was not great he actually i've read um he's got loads of interviews and quotes he's got a book out as well i think about it michael evis he said something like look if they're not gonna give us a license we're gonna go to the court and then we'll go to the high court and eventually if they don't give us a license we're just gonna do it anyway and then we'll pay the fine
0: yes yeah and Um, it was it was all so that the the high the idea behind it and what michael evis Love the idea of was the whole expression of free thinking and sort of just being like free spirits and away from like what was going on and I suppose that's sort of tied in with what was going on in the, the 70s and then that's sort of carried on since hasn't it to the 80s to the 90s when they then had to get this new licensing and that's where they changed the name of the festival
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I think I think when I said earlier about the stuff I knew or thought I knew you know I certainly I've got the idea of, like, some, some hippies in a field a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Maybe, like, some um, special tobacco floating around, that sort of thing. You know, that I've got that sort of image in my head, and I think that's probably where it came from. But, yeah, 1990, they would to change the name, and the name became the Gustonbury Festival for the Contemporary Performing
0: Arts. Yes, and it and was by adding in the performing arts, it aided them getting this licence that they were struggling to get, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, making it like a theatre thing. Yeah. Um, meant uh, it was easier to get the license it also reflected the fact that they there's not just music there was theater and there were stages for like circus yes so, you know circus skills. and you know it was more than just music it was just arts but obviously the music is the the main pull i think but yeah. there's certainly
0: all these other things going on which we'll probably talk about in a bit um but the big thing is though is that Every year, it seems to be growing and just getting a little bit bigger, a little bit more publicity, growing and growing and growing. And then in 1994, that's where it then started to be broadcast on TV, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, for sure. And obviously, you know, at that point, it's only going to help them just 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 carry on, get bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, by 1999, for example, they're now got 100,000 tickets. Okay, which is. You know, less than 30 years, and I'll do 100,000 tickets. You know, it's just, it's just getting bigger, you know, like anything does, I think. As more and more people go, and word of mouth spreads, there's this festival where there's there's more than just music. There's all these other things that you can do and see. Um, And then 2008, they had Jay-Z. That helped, didn't they? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a load of publicity there. Certainly helped. Noel Gallagher said that... Um, Uh, He he said something like Glastonbury's. Hang on, let me. I found it here. Glastonbury has the tradition of guitar music. I'm not having hip hop at Glastonbury.
0: It's wrong. And then what did Jay Z do? Ah, classic. He came out as the headline act, playing the guitar and playing Wonder wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Oasis. Yeah. Noel Gallagher's Oasis song, which is a. (laughs) Yeah. That's a. a,
0: Yeah. up, Up yours to him, isn't it? Really doing that. So it's grown and it's got absolutely enormous now. And so we're talking about. This this little farm, worthy farm, in a in a little place called Pilton. Pilton normally has a population of around a thousand people. But come the end of June, that yeah. number that number goes up to about two hundred and ten thousand people.
1: Yeah, that's that's nuts, isn't it? Um don't it make it like it's one of the biggest, it becomes, if it were a town, doesn't it become like the third or fourth biggest town in the southwest of England or some stupid yeah, fact? Yeah, like that's that. it.
0: That's it. It would it become the fourth largest city in the southwest with only Bournemouth, Bristol and Plymouth being bigger or having more, more people there. But it, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. And the, the size of the venue, so we're saying that more land needed to be bought and we're, we're saying that the site has grown to the size of 1,100 acres It's about one and a half square miles and i love this i've said this before how stuff gets measured in either london buses or football pitches because everyone knows this it it can fit 500 football pitches i can totally can totally envisage that (laughs) (laughs) you know what that Um, looks like right yeah for sure
1: um yeah they've got over 500 food stalls over 900 shops there, there ends up being, and we'll talk about these in a bit, there ends up, there's 79 stages. Crazy. So we're saying, you know, the pyramid stage is the big famous one more the big axon. on. That means there's 78 other stages with other stuff going on that you can go and see over these five days.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enormous. But Liam, this, this is something which blew my mind. This was very, very close to being my takeaway for the week. So we're, we're talking about, the theoretical maximum for it is that there's 210,000 people that can then attend this, attend the event, attend Glastonbury. Have you got any figures breaking that down? And more importantly, how many of those are staff or complimentary passes or performer passes?
1: Yeah, this is, so there are 210,000 people on site and yet they sell 135,000 tickets, right? Which by the way, sell out in, about half an hour, don't they? They yep. sell those hundred and thirty-five thousand tickets within half an hour. So, what about all the other tickets? Because you said two hundred and ten thousand. There was there are more than sixty thousand people on site that are just performers, volunteers, workers. You know all those other things, staff, gently. Isn't it sixty-three thousand or sixty-eight thousand? I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's all all those shops and staff and everything that you were talking about. All the, all those volunteers. It's like and we're saying how enormous it becomes—the fourth largest city in in the southwest. It's like a city gets erected over you know a very short period of time. Yeah. It's crazy, absolutely nuts, and, and and they put a fence around the whole thing.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, like so I don't know if you read this. So there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a fence. It's it's more than eight miles long uh, around the site. Yeah, right. And it's four meters high. It's like impenetrable now because, you know, for, for years and years, you could jump the fence. You know, there was a big thing about, you know, we just go around the back and climb over and get through it. But I think one year they he said that they had to build the fence because just so many people are turning up. One year, the 1995, I think it was, they reckon there were 80,000 tickets sold, but another 80,000 people sneaked in.
0: <laughs> That's a lot of sneaking. Surely someone's looking out going... That's at least double what I thought it was supposed <laughs> to be. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I think it was a little bit reluctant, wasn't it, of Michael Evis actually putting this fence up. So it was more so saying that when you're sort of planning to have 80 or 1,000 people and double that amount terms up, then maybe for health and safety reasons, you need to be trying to control things just so accidents don't happen.
1: I, um, I don't know if it's, it's like a, an urban legend, is that one year he woke up in the night michael evis drove down to the fence with a forklift truck lifted up the fence and let another two thousand people in yeah brilliant he he said he said um i never knew i I never uh, sorry i knew i had to build the fence in truth i never really minded whether people paid or not as long as we sold enough tickets to keep going but it was clear that we had to be able to control the numbers and keep it safe yeah so he basically yeah like you're saying reluctant i think is is probably a decent Um, word
0: and then one one other thing that we we've, we've not said about this year we've sort of mentioned it started off at being a pound and you got some milk with it, and then went to uh, a fiver in you know in in around 1979. Tickets nowadays for 2022, they're 280 pounds plus a five pound booking fee.
1: So yeah, and they and they sell out in half an hour. 135,000 of those. Now I don't know if you know if you're a new listener you won't know, but I teach maths for a job, right? But I did pick my calculator up to do two hundred eighty-five times five hundred thirty-five thousand. That's more than thirty-eight million pounds in yeah. ticket sales in half an hour.
0: That is that is big. That is big. So it's it, trying to get you get this across to everybody. The scale of Glastonbury is absolutely enormous. If you weren't aware, it is it does lay claims to being the biggest festival in the world. But there is a little bit of a challenge. and it depends like how you view this so it does actually get trumped by Coachella in California that happens and so they they end up getting about 250,000 people that turn up to that although that's over two weekends so I don't know that's almost like different rules isn't it
1: also they claim to be the largest music and performing arts festival so I don't know if like you know, does that does that mean it's not a fully music festival? But yeah. surely C- Coachella has more than just music, doesn't it? I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe we should do that yeah, in an yeah. episode. It's not as big as what we learned for anime, though, is it? Comicette, which is the largest convention in the world, seven hundred and fifty
0: thousand people in three days, to the anime <laughs> <Yeah>. convention. <laughs> That's big. So and, yeah, so 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 Glastonbury is flipping huge, and lay, it can lay claims to be in the biggest festival um that, that that goes part of it though that, that was quite interesting with it being so enormous and with it being a working farm is that it doesn't actually happen every year does it i know it's had two years off but that's been for covid but even before that it doesn't happen every single year does it yeah they have something called a fallow year
1: which is basically a year off yeah that's essentially what it is every 5 years they have a year off um it's to help it's to help the farm isn't it and it's to help like the, the locals, you know, you live in this little village, you know, perhaps every other year you're going to want a little year off. Um,
0: yeah. So it says it's, it's intended to give the land, the local population and organisers a break. And so that that tends to happen. Is it on five yearly intervals that they do that? Is yeah. Being- so.
1: There wasn't well, there wasn't one in 1988. There wasn't one in 1996. There wasn't one in 2006. There wasn't one in 2012. So, yeah, they just they basically take a break, um, which is, there wasn't one in 2018. Uh, yeah, to, just just to, to help the yeah. you know, everything in the area, I guess, and the farm itself, to help the land.
0: So we know it's happening in 2022 when we're doing this. It's happening the week that this is out. And we also know that it's happening in 2023 next year. That's, that's been confirmed.
1: Which I think would have been a, a fallow year yeah had covid not happened i think the point is that, that that they would have had a year off but obviously i think they've just had two years haven't they, really yeah 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 um essentially yeah interesting i've got a, i've got a list of the headliners you oh yeah you wanna find me a random year and uh, I'll, I'll tell you who headlined and we'll see if you, you or me know who they are okay. I think we could go back to like 95 and we might know who they are but much <laughs> earlier than that that's you know we're getting a bit we're not going to know them i don't think
0: so who is 2009
1: okay 2009 was neil young right Bruce springsteen okay and blur
0: okay yeah how about 2006 fallow year wasn't one ah uh, oh you just told me that how about really listening <laughs> <laughs> How about 1999? 99. am. Um,
1: yeah. The Manic Street Preachers and Skunk and Nancy.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, I'm starting to lose it there. I don't really, couldn't tell you any of their songs. <laughs> you know, just, but I got them all, yeah. I don't know. What, what do you looks know, like
0: a good year for us to have gone?
1: Uh, hold on then. All right, just, well, I know you're a huge Oasis fan. So 95, Oasis, Pulp, The Cure. I think Oasis good. have played another year though, didn't they? When did they play? I'm sure I am was reading about that. They played in 2004 as well. Paul McCartney, Oasis and Muse. That would probably been a good year.
0: And yeah, can, so. you tell, can, you, can you tell everybody who's playing this year then?
1: Yeah, so this year it's Billie Eilish, Kendrick Lamar and Paul
0: McCartney. Yeah, Paul McCartney's and, back. And um,
1: Kendrick Lamar and Paul McCartney were both supposed to play 2020, the, one, the COVID one that got cancelled. So,
0: yeah. So we now know some of the the history and how it all came about and how enormous it is. We've sort of touched on it a little bit, but do we talk, you know, just about the type of people that go and maybe what you'll see and experience when you're there? Yeah, go for it. So I I quite liked it on the Glastonbury website. They were basically just saying about how diverse it is and how much they love that it's such a super diverse place for everybody to go and sort of like have the time of your life um even though it's just a weekend and they're saying yeah there's there's all sorts of ages so there's we'll find out and talk about later there's things for children there as well and families so there's all sorts of ages backgrounds nationalities lifestyles faiths concepts of fashion or lack of it apparently yeah um, and musical taste and so yeah it's it's just a you know really mellow friendly environment for you to go to um and just have, have an absolutely amazing time apparently
1: Yeah, I I really liked reading about some of the other stages. Obviously, you you know, we've got this main stage and like Noel Gallagher was saying uh, when we were quoting him earlier, oh, this is a guitar place. It should be live rock music, whatever. Well, you know, they've got like, they've got something called the other stage. They've got a jazz stage and a cabaret stage and an acoustic stage and a dance tent and a cinema field and kids fields and like relaxation tents and all of these other things Circus tents, you know, stuff that is not just music or these completely different types of music.
0: Yeah, is there something um, called the healing fields?
1: Yeah, I don't know what that is. I, <laughs> I should have read about that.
0: I Maybe think I'll look into that. That that might be a little bit more um <laughs> of the the hippie vibes coming back. The oh, whole healing fields and that, I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Especially if it's on or around the summer solstice, I imagine. Yeah, you know, I I, I reckon that probably ties in a little bit. There's probably some sort of tie up to that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Be far it's, being true. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I was looking into things about if you're planning on going, some of the the do or do nots for, for when you actually go, and th- this makes sense because it's so enormous. Glastonbury even say on their website that not to go in there with a head of preconceptions or a notebook full of plans of things that you want to do, and it's yeah way better just to almost go and just soak in the atmosphere don't start trying to hurry between loads of different stages and tick off all the things that you can do it's much better like if you see something good going on then bumble along to it have a little look and enjoy it and maybe just pick out one or two key bands that you want to go and see and maybe stick to that cuz you know from where you're from where you're camping to where the stage is that can be like a half an hour walk you know we're saying that a mini a mini town is Sprung up. It's not like you camp next to the stages and where the music's happening, is it?
1: No. Yeah, you're going to camp. You know, you, you, we'll put some pictures up on our socials at Two Guys One Topic. There, you. 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 Have you seen pictures of the the fields of tents? <laughs> like literally tents, as far as you can see. <laughs> yeah. Like actual, like it will be miles. It'll be actual miles away. Yeah. Like when you say a half hour walk, that's like a two mile walk.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like
1: yeah, yeah. And there must be some do's or don'ts to do with like beers and things, isn't there? Like if you're going to go <laughs> yeah. and get a beer, don't yeah, go and get a
0: beer. I don't know. From what, what does it say? So yeah, if you, if you want to, if you want to see an act, don't go and get a beer a few minutes before that act comes on. I've read loads of reports of people saying that they thought they'd just nipped to the bar before the main act or before an act came on. Yeah. The bar's only a three minute walk away, but it takes an hour, it takes an hour to walk there, get served and come back. But there's there's loads of things. And it'd be interesting if there are people listening to this now. It's saying the number one mistake that a lot of people make is that they try and arrive at 10 a.m. on Wednesday morning. So which when it
1: starts, starts on Wednesday, right? Yes. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday.
0: So music doesn't start until Friday. So okay. Friday, Saturday, Sunday is when live bands start. But there's DJ tents and stuff that happen on Wednesday and Thursday. But loads of reports, again, saying that people queue for five hours to get in if you try and arrive at 10 a.m. on a Wednesday. So if there's anyone listening now, four, and a, four yeah. hours into their queue on the way in, sorry to hear it, but yeah, hopefully we're passing the time for you. Yeah, London London to Paddington, getting the train is a sound option. I know you were saying it can take a little while, but there's a free shuttle bus that then goes from Castle Carry Station into the into the site that's quite easy to do simple little things like think about where you're setting your tent up so with so many people walking through and trudging through fields and walkways if there's a little bit of rain it instantaneously turns to mud and your tent can yeah. easily just get washed away so it's almost like think about where you're putting your tent don't just think oh i'll leave it here this seems like a good access route i might as well plonk my tent here because it might well get washed away um, um how do you find your tent like <laughs> Yeah, when there's that many, when
1: there's that, that many, that's like, I don't know, like the problem is, I'll oh, get a tall flag, put a flag on top, but everybody puts a flag on top. You're in the same position. How do you spot your flag?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it must be like a car park where you number, you number your field in your row or something. Um, and then the, the big one is, yeah, get, get comfy wellies. That's a, a really big must, apparently. Get yourself some comfy wellies if you're going to be tramping around these muddy fields even though it's in june it's in the uk we know it's going to rain um so yeah get yourself some some comfy wellies i suppose if you're saying about how do you find your tent and about talking about comfort it is possible to then actually do glamping isn't it as well where get yourself a nice nice year or whatever it might be
1: yeah so i didn't realize that you can actually you can stay outside of the festival itself it, it, you know if you want to stay in an airbnb or a hotel or there are loads of glamping fields you know other companies have set them up and then i guess you just walk into the festival on on the day and then you come back out in the evening you know through this massive fence and out again yeah um i didn't realize that i didn't realize you could do that uh, you know so i was looking at a, a, a glamping website and it was like uh, whatever x amount of hundreds of pounds this does not include your ticket into glastonbury
0: yeah 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 yeah
1: do you know the, loads
0: of people going oh. I bought a yurt, I've got a yurt from Wednesday <laughs> to Sunday. I'm going to Glastonbury and i have got a ticket. Do you know that the most expensive one that I found was that it's possible to get these yurts. It'll cost you £8,000 from Wednesday to oh. Sunday or Monday morning. It has like your luxury items and your, your home comforts, like three bathrooms and even a butler. So I, w- I would hope it helicopters me in as well. <laughs> yeah, that, to, in my mind, that doesn't make me think of Glastonbury. I think if you're going to do it, you need to get stuck in with the mud and everything that goes with it, rather than full up glamping.
1: Yeah, you can um, you can obviously stay in um, camper vans and things like that. They have areas for that um, as well. If you're uh, if you're going to go in, you know, it's a bit more fancy, yeah. isn't it?
0: So we know it's absolutely massive. What is it? What well, we'd say is two hundred eighty-five pound a ticket plus five pound booking fee this year. They make it in excess yeah. of thirty-eight million for in in revenue from it so yep. michael evis and now emily evis his daughter who, who's now taking it over and runs it they must be rolling in the cash mustn't they
1: no they they no they break even don't they they, they they've said in numerous interviews that they need to sell all their tickets to break even because it costs around about 40 million pounds a year to put the festival on because of everything they've got you know everything they've got to pay for toilets tents Security, road, you know you've got to close the road, the fence, all the infrastructure, whatever, all that stuff costs about forty million a year, and we just said ticket sales are just over thirty eight million, so they need to sell all the tickets just to break even. Yeah. but they also donate a lot of money to charity, don't they?
0: Yeah, they're super big on this, aren't they? so they they don't so they donate approximately two million pounds a year to charity, and that's after they've paid all the wages and everything, which is really commendable. It's Greenpeace
1: oxfam and water aid are their three main yeah um charities but yeah like two million a year uh that's you know, like you said yeah very commendable you know that i'd imagine you know they could quite easily donate one million a year if they wanted to couldn't they yeah no. exactly
0: so they like yeah they, they could donate one million and michael evis or emily evis could pocket the rest of it but they don't so he michael evis was taking a salary of sixty thousand pounds which is loads but in the grand scheme of it, when we're saying like he could be pocketing a million, like how cool is that? Yeah. Just putting this on and just doing it for for people to have fun. I was reading as well that the performers, so the big names, they then in turn don't command the biggest fees for the festival because they know the okay. situation. So this is still a you know a mind blowing amount of money. But Paul McCartney and Coldplay apparently they get paid around two hundred grand to perform and turn up not to be sniffed at, not a bad night's work but um but apparently like they they can charge like closer to a million in some situations and some other festivals and stuff so
1: yeah that um you know this whole the whole like sort of culture of this whole free spirit that we were talking about that, that, that they've got at this festival it all it all ties nicely into like this sort of philanthropy giving money to charity they've got a huge thing about their pledges for the environment have you read all the yeah. stuff that they do about the environment um if you attend the festival you have to sign what they call a green pledge when you pay the balance of your ticket so you have to sign a thing to say like all these things i will use recycling bins i will take all my stuff home i will bag up my rubbish i will use reusable water bottles um, you know that they only use fair trade coffee and tea all their fish is sustainable there's recycle do they've got a recycling center on site because that there's there's as many people as a town like we were saying so normal recycling will not cut it they have to set up like massive industrial size recycling today um yeah they've got loads and loads they've got um solar panels don't they have the the largest one of the
0: largest solar panel farms that's it It's, it's the largest privately owned solar solar panel farm in the country yeah.
1: wind turbines they use they try and not use
0: generators um okay. but i know they 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 try and do all this this good and there's been no single use plastic there since 2008 i was reading this year they've gone a step further and all of their crisp vendors need to make sure that they've got disposable crisp packets because crisp packets oh, aren't, wow. aren't disposable or for american listeners chips um yeah yeah. so yeah so they they need to make sure that the the crisps are are biodegradable and i i get that there's a pledge and i'm sure that glastonbury has good intentions but there's a whole load of waste and stuff that gets left behind i was just reading this year that they say that there's about 11 tons of clothes and camping gear that that get abandoned like six and a half thousand sleeping bags five and a half thousand tents three and a half thousand air beds two and a half thousand chairs 400 wow. gazebos. I guess it's people who get the train down and think, oh man, I can't bother to lug this back on the train. I'm yeah. too hungover. There's no way I can carry this. And they're just like, oh, I'm going to dump it.
1: Yeah. I, I read somewhere that it actually produces a negative carbon footprint, though. No, no way. Sorry. No because way. Because all the people, because there's like, 200 plus thousand people in glastonbury for five days that means those two hundred thousand people are not in their house they are not driving their cars they are not using their showers they are not turning <laughs> on their heating they are not just that creates car, a carbon footprint you right. know they're out in a field in a tent that is way less carbon than, than they would be so actually the net effect is that it's actually better for the environment that they're, they're
0: do you know what I mean? <laughs> I think someone's got creative with their, their carbon calculations and credits there. That sounds <laughs> that sounds interesting. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. That's pretty cool, if that is true, that it's carbon negative, considering how massive it is.
1: Yeah, well, hashtag Michael Evis, let us know. <laughs>
0: that pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So uh, There's so, so much to do with Glastonbury, and we haven't really touched... Upon like all all the music and everything that goes on there, but there's so much more like interesting parts to it that I think we've we've sort of gone through this week. Is there anything else that you want to share with people, or do you just want to head straight to your takeaway? Do okay.
1: My takeaway is this. I'm gonna change it at the last minute. If you were a trader, okay, some rules. If you wanted to go and trade at uh, Glasgow, that is, you know, you wanted to run a jack of potato stall or something. Yep. Okay all traders have to work from 10 until 10 every day uh they can open longer if they want they are not allowed to leave the site until monday at 6 p.m it is estimated it costs you about 18 grand to have a pitch wow um, okay. and you might make around about 35 or 40 grand in five days Wow. Uh, wow yeah i thought that was pretty interesting just don't know if that was my takeaway or not. I, I, I have got a proper takeaway though. Do you want to know my actual takeaway? That's a lot of jacket potatoes. Yeah, I know exactly. Well, it's estimated that that at a festival, if you've got uh, like a tent, um, if you, you're trading in a van or whatever, you will probably sell to about five percent of the people there. Okay. So if there are two hundred thousand people, you might sell to eighteen uh, to about ten thousand of those. You know, and then if you're selling ten quid a time you might make 100 grand in sales yeah. minus your costs and that sort of stuff
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: wow yeah that was my random thing a little random rabbit hole went into this week a little bit but i do have a takeaway come on here we go um it is estimated that there are about 40,000 vehicles turn up to glastonbury every year <laughs> okay there's 200,000 people about 40,000 vehicles right in pilton the tiny little village What happens is obviously everybody turns up and then they fill up with petrol before they leave. Right? They reckon the petrol stations in Pilton over those days make in excess of half a million pounds (laughs) in five days from selling petrol to all these extra
0: cars. I can see (laughs) that. You have to work those five days. I can uh, I can well imagine that because it's it's a little bit out of the way, isn't it? Like the southwest of England. If you're traveling from from London or Birmingham or Cardiff or like, anywhere else in the country, that's a long old way. Your car's run out of petrol by the time it gets there. So you need to fill up before you go home.
1: Yeah, yeah well, 40,000 cars, even if they put a tenner in each, that's 400,000. But they're not going <laughs> to, yeah. especially not nowadays, you know. <laughs> they're putting in 25 quid each that's a million pounds in petrol in five days if you're one of the how many petrol stations can there be within like a five mile radius there can't be many yeah you must just just only wait for that day and just like know you're gonna sell out on those days
0: yeah exactly anyway you got a takeaway yeah so my two guys one topic takeaway is about somewhere that you won't find on the map so when you go there there is a secret underground performance place in Glastonbury and it won't appear on the map, but Michael Evis says that it's his favorite place, his favorite part of Glastonbury and it's called the underground piano bar or the rabbit hole. So apparently people seem to think it was mythical for a, a number of years, but then photos have come out since mobile phones and what have you. I've read as well. It does seem to move around. So with Michael Leavers <laughs> saying this is his favourite place, it's not in the same place every year. So they then build out this underground secret place for performances, this underground piano bar, not on the map. So hopefully you might be lucky and just stumble across it. It's just
1: like you took us to that weird bar in London where it was a diner and I had to go and ask the waitress to serve me Mr. humbledink or something. And then she <laughs> took me for a secret fridge that took me into some weird underground bar. You know, one of those like speakeasies. Yeah, Do we yeah, have yeah. to... When we go to Glastonbury, we're we going to have to go and ask, like, a certain steward, can I please have a word with Jim? Can with I Bob- go and
0: speak to the mayor of Scaredy Cat Town?
1: Yeah, and then he's going to go, follow me, please, sir. And then, like, a trap door's going to
0: open, and I'm going to suddenly <laughs> walk downstairs into a piano bar,
1: that sort of place.
0: <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> Amazing. So, Liam, how have you found this week? Oh, it, it makes me want to go to Glastonbury.
1: Oh, uh, I man. thought it was just a bunch of music and you know if it's music that i don't like then what, what's the point of me being there but it turns out if there's 79 stages and 78 of them there's 78 other ones if there's somebody i don't like um i really like knowing that it started off for a pound then you got free milk i thought yeah. that was pretty cool
0: that is brilliant isn't it yeah absolutely brilliant so good yeah what what an interesting part history that we've done of it today we, we hope we've we've done it justice and giving you some tips and tricks for, for when you go in see if you can find that underground piano bar we hope everyone's enjoyed listening to it as much as Liam and I have enjoyed researching it this week if you've got any questions or even if you're going and you just want to let us know how you've got on there at Glastonbury let us know we'd love to hear from you get in contact with us at 2guys1topic we'll be back with you for another episode next Tuesday get out there
1: and share some Pilton Pop, Folk and Blues Festival knowledge.